one of our homeworks was putting together a thousand day vision. And I started laying that out and I started laying that out with my wife. So I could see like she and I could see where we wanted our lives to be at almost three years from now. Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you for joining on this episode, Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Um, I have my newer friend, Royal Mortier. I think I said that right, but we'll, <laughs> we'll review it. Uh, but Royal and I met actually in a mastermind, and then we had a lot in common from where we were raised. And uh, here we are. Welcome to the show, Royal. How are you doing, man? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. So I didn't really read your bio. Say your last name for us so we get it right. More tier. Yeah. More tier. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I tried to spell it phonetically and I think I botched it. <laughs> a lot of people go the French, the French pronunciation and, and, uh, yeah, we're my family's family immigrated from Belgium. So yeah, yeah. there's, there's a French and a Flemish side of Belgium and we're from the Flemish side. There so. you go. Yeah. People yeah. try to, to call me Ram- Ramage and I'm like, yeah, I don't, there's nothing fancy about my name. It's like Dutch. It's Ramage, like, like literally Ram. So, yeah. uh, I, I get it. I get it. So you are a structural engineer, developer, uh, founder of Pluris. Did I say that right? Pluris. 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 Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, which is Greek for complete. And, uh, my son and I both love looking at Greek into Greek words and like, he's got a whole business name built out of a Greek word, which I was like, well, that's ridiculously cool. So I'm going to let him run with that. But anyway, uh, so how long do you own that, that company? Um, so we started building Clearis um, in about 2018. Uh, originally I was, I, I was the head of a large, larger brick and mortar engineering firm. And we started building it as a subsidiary. And then we parted ways literally March, beginning of March, 2020, about two weeks before the fun lockdowns and stuff started. And, <laughs> um, as part of the separation is I got clearest and cause that was kind of my idea, my baby. And they gave that to me and now we're, now we're growing like crazy. So, yeah. And you relocated. So you're, you're from Oregon, if I remember correctly, cause I'm from Oregon. And yep. you've re- you've relocated. You're now in in Florida, and you just kind of packed up and hit the road. If I remember correctly, you you were headed for Montana, and yeah. then ended up in Florida. Big big difference. Yeah, just yeah, just a little bit of difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we were living. Um, yeah, my my wife grew up in Alaska. Uh, I grew up in Oregon, and at the time, we were uh, we were living in Spokane, and we. We were looking to move to Montana, something a little more of our living style. Uh, we were. You just yeah, say so, it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and then we kind of an odd series of events. I just call it divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, we were set. We had a deposit on a piece of land. And it was funny because I talked with my buddy who lived. We were in Whitefish. And uh, I talked to my buddy who lived in Whitefish and he had moved from Eugene to Whitefish to get the heck out of Eugene. Um, And uh, he was, I was like, Hey, you know, we we got this five acres on some water. We're looking at, I'm like, is this, is this a good area? And he's like, well, Jeff Bezos just bought the 80 acres above you to develop his own housing, his own house compound. He's like, so I'm going to go with, it's probably a good area. It was like, I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, and we, I mean, we were, the land I felt was, it was expensive, but it was fair. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. We had, we, the plan or the intention was we were going to, we ordered a fifth wheel. We even, you know, I traded in my truck and bought a bigger truck to, to get a tow the fifth wheel. And we were basically going to be either be traveling or set up on that land mm. to build what was going to be our forever home at the base of the mountain, right on the lake in Montana. And then we, that was in October of last year. And then we came down and we've never been to the Emerald Coast of Florida, which is basically 
from Gulf Shores, Alabama, all the way down past like Panama City. That's called the Emerald Coast, um, basically the panhandle. Right. And we came down for a little vacation and started in Fairhope, Alabama, which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been and worked our way down and it only got more beautiful as we came and it was just like this and then it just so happened during that exact same time so i was part of uh, another mastermind group um with ed mylette and andy frisella as my coaches there and then i have a men's group where we're very focused on family business and um growth financial you know the, the the big f's yep. you know the big the, the big four f's fitness finances family and future and that's both of our we had two calls literally right at the start of our trip and both talking about building an environment around you that's conducive to your goals and that you know and that you enjoy that you don't want to take a vacation from and that really got us thinking and, you know, I, I talk every time we have a great call, I sit down, I talk with my wife about, you know, this is what we went over. And I started talking with her about this. And then we started putting together what um, one of our homeworks was putting together a thousand day vision. And I started laying that out and I started laying that out with my wife. So I could see like she and I could see where we wanted our lives to be at almost three years from now. And it wasn't Montana. <laughs> it was actually literally we're sitting in a hotel in Navarre Beach on the you know the fourth or fifth floor overlooking the what I'll just refer to as cornstarch sand and crystal clear blue water. Mm -hmm. And just realizing that that was a life we wouldn't want to we did would not need to vacation from. And that was going to be conducive to our goals because what we truly found passion in, which was Yes, being outdoors, being an enjoyable outdoors and time with our family, we could do with living there and having our fifth wheel to where we can just go explore wherever we want. And that was huge. It was uh, so literally, I mean, we made that decision right then. Wow. We um, we contacted a realtor. We you know, and, and looked at all the stigmas. I'm not going to talk, I, I don't want to talk up this area too much because I don't want more people to move here, but, <laughs> but, um, but I will have a couple of VRBOs online here in a month or two. So if you guys want to come visit, hit me up, I'll get you, I'll get you set up. Um, but the, we just, I mean, we researched everything, everything we were concerned about did not exist in this area. And uh, just, we, we contacted a realtor. She showed us some houses and it's always that last one. It's that one of, Hey, this one isn't on the market yet, but I got us this, or this one has this going and that. And we walked in there and it was like, we knew we were just like this one, this one right here. Yep. That one. And we didn't, didn't do anything special. We offered full price. We didn't offer anything special over the top. It became a multiple offer situation. And I just looked at my wife and I was like, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And we got the house. So um, it's been a, it's been a, almost a year now. Um, it's been a long year <laughs> uh, of getting everything done, but it's been so worth it. My yeah. kids are so much happier. The home, I mean, we, we, the, the getting situated, getting here, getting situated, getting building the environment around us, building a life we don't want to take a vacation from, having tons of time to just be with my family, be with my kids. Um, you know, it's just been it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Yeah. yeah. I what I, I think a really great takeaway is there's several really great takeaways from this story. <clears throat> One, you did a, a thousand day vision, and then you had this conversation with your wife. The other one is the fact that you were just willing to pivot. There was like, and I think a lot of people get stuck like, well, that's our dream. And then they lose track of really what their dream is. So it's a big deal that you bought property and whitefish for one, where all the super elite are moving. You, you kind of realize that. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's so funny because I have a friend who uh, moved up just south of there, Kalispell. Um, and same, same reason, like looking at, 
the life by design that they wanted and that's where they landed but uh it's it's incredible that you shifted so hard i mean that's like very far north in the united states kind of center center left and then you go all the way down to bottom right um so man and and by the way that alabama coast is or yeah alabama coast is ridiculous people do not understand how beautiful it is oh it's yeah, yeah it's it's amazing um and you know yeah it's, it's amazing we're you know we've got one house right now um as investment property that you know that's the one that we're going to be slowly converting into you know everything and then um uh, yeah right now we're we're about to buy um we're in contract right now on another on another wow. short-term rental and i mean this is just well, I mean, you know, we're we're not where we're at. We're not landlocked, um, but we got water. You know, we, we're not landlocked. We're not an island. The houses we're we're shopping at are an island or right on the beach, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. There's we were just we were out in Pensacola Beach last night and um, doing a walkthrough of the house, and then just going and grabbing dinner, and it's like you're having dinner on this patio with white sandy beaches all around you. And you just, you just walk down to the ocean. Yeah. Like, drink in hand, just walk down to the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. So how old are your kids? Uh, seven and four. Okay. So young enough where they weren't planted in a school, you could still make some pretty big decisions and, um, you know, we moved our family. We relocated our family for very similar reasons out of Oregon. Uh, and it wasn't Eugene, which would have been probably even a faster move if that's where we lived. But it was uh, and and my kids were older. My my oldest was going into middle school. How did your kids adjust? Did they did it throw them a little bit that you said Montana? Then you ended up in Florida or was I mean, the, it was during the pandemic. So everything was out of the norm as it stood. Right. And that was, that was a big reason. I mean, so we were in Eugene before Spokane, um, before Eugene, we were in Nevada and, you know, we just really wouldn't have mattered where we were at in any of those locations. They were the the pandemic stuff really obviously was a, was a big driver, um, Mm -hmm. was a reality check and um, reality check of where we were at really. And then, then, yeah, it was, you know, our daughter was in a special program within school that was a, they call it the Apple, Apple program, which is um, like a, a, a assisted parent participation learning environment. So the parents are supposed to be able to volunteer in the classroom mm. and support. And it was like, she got in there and then she got in there really there. It was in kinder kindergarten was her first year in there. And it was remote learning, and and I'm like, and my wife was a she was a brick and mortar teacher, and then she was actually a teacher for a uh, uh, an online academy, and she was like, you can't like, a these teachers have no idea what they're doing in an online environment. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes years to learn it, and you have to have the basis, and it's not just oh we can buy this program and everything will work. It doesn't work that way. And then you're trying to do it to kindergartners, like, you know, so you have this teachers on a learning curve and you've got kindergartners trying to learn. And then, so that, luckily that wasn't for very long. They let the kids come back in and, uh, but then the parents couldn't participate. So it was like, okay, well, we're part of this program, but we can't even participate. And then it just, it just, it never got better. It never got better. And, uh, and really it got worse, you know, it, it got a lot worse. And we just finally were the icing on the cake, which is actually kind of crazy was the week that we were leaving. Um, the week that we were leaving Spokane was the week of my son's birthday. And we're like, Hey, you know, we, we want to do kind of this. It's at his school. He was in a little Montessori school, like 15 kids. And they were like, Hey, we want to do like this final send off little birthday party go you know go away you know thing and i mean i understand this was the beginning of this year this is january of this year and the the school 
reaches out and says, one of the siblings of one of our students was exposed to somebody that tested positive. And so the, the sibling didn't test positive and has no symptoms, but as a precaution, we're going to, as a precaution by the local cities, school board regs or nurse, we have to shut down the school for two weeks. BS. But, and I'm like, like, you know, I'm like, okay, well, we pay how much per month for this school? Like, and it was like, so, I mean, that was it. And it was like, no notice, no nothing, just literally like tomorrow the school is closed for two weeks on. And I was like, well, all the more reason why we need to be getting out of here because it just doesn't make, and I mean, it, it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. No. Um, so yeah, it was, it's unfortunate. Um, and, uh, you know, now we're unfortunately reaping the damages of, of those decisions. So. Absolutely. And I, we can sit in this for a minute. I mean, we're still like my, my son was in middle school. He literally did not have a normal middle school year. Like it uh -huh. just was, and those are such crazy social times and the, the damages made by these off and on things. And you, I was a teacher for 13 years. And the fact that I know that teachers aren't quick to pivot. This is one thing I notice is like they just in general have a really hard time pivoting to something new. One, because they're always like, oh, here's the newest thing they're being presented. They're always having to change. And so they become very resistant to change. Right. The whole switch to online was an absolute joke. It was. In fact, I'm like I told my son at, at one point, he's like, everybody just brings their their pet and puts it in front of the screen the whole time. And this was eight, seventh grade. I was like, and the teacher doesn't know what to do. And I'm like, just like, like literally turn off your camera and do whatever you want. It was a complete waste of time, <laughs> complete waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what we saw, what we've seen since, and what I've been really, really interested in seeing and watching happen is kind of a mass exodus. My kids are old enough. I'm keeping my youngest to go through high school. You know, he's at that age, but man, if my kids were any younger, it would be not putting them back in that system. That's me personally, because I don't want them to have to go through those arbitrary decisions that really made such a huge impact so fast. And I was just um, in my, in one of my mastermind, like internal groups there, one of the gals is they're starting up a new school. They're starting up their own. And then another guy is like, Oh, we started ours last year. And mm -hmm. like these entrepreneurs now are creating schools right. to, to prepare for this kind of stuff again. And then, you know, they, of course they pretty much don't agree with the curriculum as it stands and we could go on forever on that. Um, right. So you have these two kids, but one thing I know about you is that you basically didn't have a father yourself. So I kind of want to pivot and walk into that. Yeah. Uh, um, did you, have you ever met your father? Do you know your father or yeah. was he, he gone? Yeah. So no, I, I met him. I think met him the first time I can really remember. I was about six years old. Um, and then it was, um, you know, so I was raised pretty exclusively single mom. We had a stepdad for a short time there, but it was me and my brother, single mom and, you know, section eight housing, um, food stamps, you name it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's how we lived. Uh, even with our stepdad for a while, that was, that was how we lived. And then, I mean, there was even times in there, even with the stepdad, that we we lived in a car um we had a um remember we we traveled cross country for something and we lived in a uh an over the camper or over the cab camper in the mm -hmm. back of this old ford pickup and uh it the old ford pickup had issues it would overheat and so we actually we we would sit at rest areas during the day the parents would sleep so my my mom and my stepdad would sleep in the camper me and my brother would play at these rest areas for the day so they rested and then once they got their rest then we would load up and then they would kind of take short stints in in driving and got us across country and then we lived literally in a campground in an over-the-cab camper or a parking lot pretty much in an over-the-cab camper while he searched for work and stuff and you know similar similar things after they separated of basically living in a car. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then when I was about 12, my, 
my mom got, you know, she was not mentally well. Mm. So she got caught up with some wrong people and basically just disappeared. And I went to live with my grandma and grandpa on the Oregon coast. My grandpa retired. And that was a big, you know, that was a really first time of having like a solid father figure, you know, that a really good father figure. He was a, a retired senior chief in the Navy, served in every single major war, um, you know, prior to Desert Storm, Afghanistan stuff. And um, had a, and then he went on and worked in the banking industry for a lot of years. And it was awesome. That was awesome to have that father figure uh, available. And then about just before I turned 13, um, that summer before I turned 13, my my dad and then he was remarried and they had additional kids. They were like, well, we now have a house that we're large enough and we can support support this. Um, and so why don't you come and live with us? And so, you know, uprooted again, moved from my grandparents into, you know, a whole family life that I really never, ever had. Uh, so it was, that was a difficult time. Uh, I, you know, and I, during the time with my, my step, or sorry, during the time with my mom, uh, having a single mom, and then, you know, being on the Oregon coast, um, you got a lot of kids that, you know, their dads are out on fishing boats, their dads aren't around. So we get into trouble and those trouble, that trouble is drugs and alcohol. And so, I mean, I got exposed to drugs and alcohol, at like 10, 11 years old. And, uh, yeah. So I came in what eighth grade living with my dad and my stepmom, and now my sisters that I barely knew and a step brother that I really didn't know. And, uh, just things didn't get much better. And, uh, and then, but I had a, I had a solid good mentor that before my mom disappeared, uh, was a big brother from the big brother program. And that was when I got introduced to him, I 11, 10 or 11. Um, he was literally just at my house last week. I mean, wow. that's, you know, he, he, he and I have not, you know, not broken contact. We've stayed connected. We stay communicated. Um, you know, I've watched him, I was at his wedding. I, you know, he, he had a son with his wife. Um, and then he also, you know, became, he got a bonus daughter. His wife already had a kid and, uh, got beat. It was, there was no separation. It wasn't like, Hey, we're the big brother, big sister program. There's this division here. It was, no, I'm your big brother. You can call me your big brother my family is your family and that's how this is going to be. And it was like, okay. Uh, without that kind of mentorship from somebody like that um, or the example that really I had at my grandparents level, yeah, I would be in a totally different place right now. Yeah. I was going to ask who, who was the, who was the person that kind of gave you that model for being a father because, yeah. you know, but it sounds like it was kind of a combination of your grandfather and, and, um, uh, your big, your big brother, I guess is what we'll call it. I don't even, does that program even exist anymore? Yeah, I actually, uh, I just recorded a video for them kind of telling my story of what, when oh. happened They're they've got a, um, they're still, in, they're still around. They still have a significant problem getting, um, big brothers. Yeah. They said big sisters, they big sisters and the little sisters they're able to do, but they said they have more male littles, uh then they have bigs and it there i mean the the connection rate there is super low and tell you right now like i from you know everybody that was around me siblings and you know cousins and stuff like that the that didn't have a mentor didn't have a positive mentor didn't have a dad around where their lives went versus me having that gentleman as a mentor, um, I'll say his name, Sean Hathaway. Um, I mean, he, he was not in a spot time-wise, lifestyle-wise to have a little. Mm. Uh, and I mean, shortly after he got, shortly after he got paired with me as a little, 
Um, he worked in he worked in furniture sales, uh, and he had a specific client, and that specific client went out of business, and so he lost his job with this large furniture wholesale furniture company. So what did he do? He started his own, <laughs> and I mean, as you probably know, starting a business that becomes your life. Yeah. And I mean, even in those times, even in that time when he was trying to start his own business from scratch, um, he found time, he made time, you know, he, we'd go out, we, he'd come, come by my house after work. He would, you know, he'd talk to, this is when I was still living with my mom. Hey, can you bring, can you bring, bring him by? And he, I'll just drop him by the, Drop him by the store. I gotta, I gotta work, but he can help me with some things around the store. We're gonna go out to dinner afterwards. He can stay, you know, crash at my house. We'll go do something this weekend. Or there's a big brother's big sister's event that we're gonna go to and go camping. All he just, he just made that time, and uh, and then he always made that time. He always made that time, even after that. For even when I got moved away and I was hundreds of miles away, you know, when I lived on the Oregon coast, he would drive out and see me sometimes. He would, you know, I got living with my dad. I was in Eugene. He was in Portland. He would come down and see me. Even come to sporting, you know, I, I wrestled. I started wrestling. He'd come to my, come to my competitions. That was just a, just an amazing example, you know. And I mean, his son, unfortunately, his son has a um, has cystic fibrosis, and that's its own chore. I mean, his son's now in college age and is self sufficient, but I mean you know think about that you've got me as a little it's just kind of this voluntary thing and he gets married has a daughter already right off the get-go they have a son has medical difficulties he's starting a business and he still kept to his commitments and uh you know i really i i tons of respect for him as a result of that and he's just an amazing guy so yeah Wow. Like what an impact one guy makes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, there, there's, there's tons of stories to tell there as far as, I mean, just everything. And I know he's got his side, but the fact is, is that he, he, he was dedicated to the cause, you know, and it made a difference. It made a massive difference. So. There's so much talk about how society right now is kind of stripping young men of responsibility uh you know i don't know what you call it just um masculinity yeah grit yeah this guy had to have grit he had to have a, a level of commitment he had to have a bigger vision to yeah. go through start his own business take the time drive do the things like it's a serious commitment for a young man a very serious commitment do you yeah. think and I, i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of pull pull on some strings here do you think that this this push and this softening of men is probably one of the reasons why the big brother system is struggling finding the right men. I think a lot of guys don't know that they have the ability to lead or to to guide. Right. So there was a news story just the other day. Um, and, and I mean, I, I know it's a, it's quite a, it's it's actually a bit older, but it was the school that was having this massive rate of assaults and violence in the school and you know the, the statistics don't lie it, broken homes mm -hmm. the the percentage of kids from broken homes they get into drugs alcohol all these other things is massive and unfortunately the, the percentage of broken homes has only increased and but what happened in the school was literally they just brought in some dads that cared and literally just had them walk the halls mm -hmm. to be there, to be a shoulder, you know, to be a shoulder to cry on, to be there for a hug, to talk to for 30 seconds or a minute, or just say, hey, and show that there were men in the community that cared about the livelihood and the betterment of these kids, male, boys or girls. And their violence, their, you know, the fights and everything went to almost zero, literally almost instantly. 
they're not there as school security. They're not there like is any of that. They're there just to act as a dad, to be there as a male figure of, hey, I'm here to talk to you if you need this shoulder. Yeah, that's what we need. There's no such thing as toxic masculinity. You want to see a toxic masculine, look at somebody that is actually emasculated. They become toxic. That's very true. They become, they do become toxic because they feel the need to yell and be little and over try and use the fact that they're a male, not a female to strong arm anything. They try to pull rank of anything like that. You look at somebody that is actually truly masculine, truly happy with who they are as an individual. And like, it's a totally different story. I train jujitsu. I got some beasts. I mean, I got some beasts that I train with. I mean, one of them is one of the strongest men I have ever met. The guy is a monster. He takes his shirt off. He's got this massive skull tattoo from when he was a kid. He has no neck. It goes straight from the waist to his head. There is no neck there. There's no choking this guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know what? One of the sweetest, loyal, never heard him yell. Never. I mean, you meet his kids. They are loving. He like he is. And he is an emotional man. He has no problem showing emotion. He has no, he has completely, completely content with who he is. And he will, he will give you the biggest bear hug and show that he loves you anytime that you need it. Wow. That's the kind, but you can tell he has seen some shit and he yeah. has done some shit. You know, some of the most loving, compassionate, people i have ever met are the people that have seen the worst mm -hmm. my grandfather was one of the most loving compassionate people i ever know my my grandpa ackerman and he's literally served in almost every single major war he saw some shit and because of that he knew what life and love was truly about and you want to like that's where it stands the most vile people toxic people i know are the ones that have just had everything handed to them i i feel like the current culture and the way that they're continually demasculating de like uh villainizing you know what a man is mm -hmm. is going to create has created is going to create great monsters like horrible monsters these these you know it will be you know i don't think at this point there's a mass shooter who has had a father in his home i'm pretty sure i heard this from jordan peterson that not one mass shooter had a regular father in his home mm -hmm. so <laughs> like you 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 look at society and you look what's happening and it's very easy to draw correlations and causations to what's going on so right yeah i i want to kind of circle back you have two kids you have a wife you've made some hard decisions you pivoted uh as far as i can tell you have a successful business and you're building a legacy you're building out and you're 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 acquiring and putting out airbnbs you know short-term rentals or uh vrbos which i'm going to come visit at some point right <laughs> um and and you, Brotherhood trip. yeah i know you've got all this stuff which from the outset of course is going great i'm sure there's internal turmoil all the time there there always is when you're trying to grow like how are you breaking the cycle of that history of you know your your parents you don't yeah. have that you have some example but you don't right. have a firm example like you know like a lifeline like me i have a father who's been in part of my life the entire time my his my wife my my mother and him have been married for i don't know how many years um and so it's always interesting to me for guys like you how are you breaking that cycle what kind of things are you doing actively 
what have you done? I mean, is, has military played a role? I'm asking a lot of questions here. Yeah. But walk us through how you feel this has come to the point where you are, you know, a father and a husband. And um, how are you working towards that? And how have you gotten there? Yeah. So we'll start being a husband first. Okay. If me and my wife aren't on the same page, we're not on the same page. And that causes term that turmoil will just continue on down the line. So my wife and I, business-wise, investment-wise, raising our kids-wise, how the house is managed and ran-wise, financials, all of that, we come together and we're on the same page. Whether that's daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual planning, mm -hmm. we are on the same page. There are some things that she knows that, hey, babe, we are going on a bit. You want to go on a vacation or we want to go on a vacation. That's not my strong suit for planning that. <laughs> like, that's not my strong suit. You know, she takes care of that. Um, I think I would say one of the biggest things there also that really just happened recently. Um, I mean, shoot, we've been married. We've been together. Uh, let's see. It was our first meetup. So 2011. So we've been together 11 years. Um, you know, I didn't know what her love language was. I had an idea what it was, but she went on a women's retreat. And I, and that was the other thing is like, I, you got to have that investment on both sides. Mm -hmm. The husband's reading all the self-help books, working out like crazy meal planning himself, like going to these masterminds and the wife is just left to, to manage the home. No, 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 no. Um, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. And um, we were literally just talking about that in my men's group, uh, beginning of this week. And, uh, yeah, that doesn't work. Um, and because, and actually the men's group, the head of my men's group, uh, his guest speaker was his wife. And we were li literally talking about that, about getting everybody on the same page. So that's a huge thing. Um, you're not just there to be, to be the bread maker. You're there to lead the home and, uh, there's what's called servant leadership. You know, yep. those who are good at leading have to be able to follow. There's there's things that my wife is in charge of. There's things I'm in charge of. We know that that separation is. And, you know, we have that understanding. Then comes the fatherhood part of it where, okay, does, does mom got this handled or does daddy have to step in? You know, like yesterday, we, son was misbehaving wasn't listening to mama daddy stood back waited waited and when i could tell him wife was at like he was continuing not to listen dad stepped in and then we got immediate compliance mm -hmm. you know but it's also happened in reverse where i'm asking the kids to do something or i you know i i can go from zero to drill sergeant real quick the military comes out real quick um and that and the wife is there to go, hey, give them a little, you know, give them, I asked them to do this or I asked them to do that. Give them a little more time to comply, do these things. So you got to have that balance um, and got to be able to check that self. But, you know, what? as a parent, 90% of it's just being there. You know, I, one of the, one of the best and worst lessons that I would, best and worst examples I could say my, my own dad gave me was just work hard okay because that is the best and the worst lesson that you can get because mm -hmm. there is more than just working hard mm -hmm. okay and we work hard to specific goals and one of those specific goals is time can't tell you any i cannot pinpoint or cannot tell you if you handed out if you gave me a list of all of my sporting events that i was involved in which wasn't much. I basically was just a wrestler um, that my own parents, my dad and stepmom attended. I could maybe point to one or two that I know they attended. And that is not that because they were working, because they had other engagement, because they did this, because they did that. Okay, well, cool. You worked hard. What are you getting from it? The whole point is, to have the family, not just to work hard. 
Um, so there's things that I'm setting up for my kids as far as lessons of, hey, you know, have your goal in mind, have your things in mind. There's things, there's things you can do that create time. And there's things that you, there's, th there's things you can do, create time. There's things you can do that create money. And there's things you can do that create both. And so now we're working really hard on those things that create both. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was listening to Ed Milet in, in his latest book and also at the million dollar mastermind, he, he was speaking and he said something like the, the most, the biggest child abuse is not living up to your potential, not chasing those dreams. And it was really hard for me to kind of hook onto that because I have a story where I just worked, 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 worked when I was in my thirties and neglected the family. And I don't think that's what he meant. Right. And so, uh, what he means is exactly what you said. Like you work hard, you do the things you need to do to provide, but you also have to have this time and 100% focus on your family. And mm -hmm. I, I have in 100% alignment with you. It starts with you and your wife. Um, I think many people get so laser focused in on the kids and they just totally start to drift away from their wife and vice versa. And it creates a big problem. And it's just a, it's a, it's an epidemic if you ask me, but, um, I think you pointed out several things that I really want to reiterate. I want men to hear you have men's group and you give your wife resources to, to learn and grow as well. Like you, maybe you're not give you give her the opportunity or whatever it is. Maybe she, pursues us herself. Um, I think those two things are missing. I just had an event for men and it was like groundbreaking, groundbreaking for them because they hadn't spent time in the midst of other men, other entrepreneurs, other men who were doing a lot of things, holding a lot of responsibilities and had kids and wives and it, their, their ability to kind of tap into that and break through that social armor that we all carry and cover up, you know, we're, we're doing great. We're masculine We're our businesses are crushing it, but we're not going to let anybody see the chink in the armor. I think those are huge to, to open up, have that vulnerability, that accountability with other men. How long have you been doing that? As far as the men's group? Yep. Um, so yeah, the, we call it, it's called the inner circle. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has been, been involved with them for I think about a year now. We, we just started it. Uh, it was started about a year ago, um, and it was it was somebody that is was in the mastermind, the previous mastermind I was in with with Ed Milet and Andy, and they transitioned to the one that you and I are now in, um, Apex. And um, I had a good relationship with him, and he was like, "Hey, I'm starting this other small coaching group." And this is our focus. And he goes, I think this would be good for you mm -hmm. because that is also your focus. And I was like, yeah, that, that is. And, you know, it's, you know, obviously there's a fee associated with it. I'm buying, I'm paying for their knowledge, their wisdom, their guidance. Um, and people that are like, well, no, I don't want to do that because there's a fee associated with it. Like, I can tell you right now, I've got a deal right now that I'm going to make seven figures on. Guess what? Wouldn't have even seen that if I hadn't paid that few hundred bucks a month. Right. You know, exactly. wouldn't have made those relationships, wouldn't have made those connections if I hadn't have been doing that. Yeah. So, um, so sorry, I'm going to continue to do that. And I'm going to, those, what I contribute monthly or annually to those kinds of groups is only going to get bigger because the ROI on that is massive. Yeah. But yeah, it's been it's been just over a year. Um and it's worth its weight in gold because mm -hmm. it is. It's a group of men coming together that get to basically talk about what is going on in our lives. We share common vision and you know, shoot man, the talk of keep your spouses informed of what is going on is was one of those things where we're like right from the get-go you know make time for those date nights you know have your monthly quarterly annual planning um we have a monthly calendar literally right when you walk in our garage from right right when you walk into our house boom right there <laughs> like all of it's etched on there 
you know, we've gotten to the point of color coding, the wife does some artwork around it, but we've had that thing, we've had that thing, that thing for years. Mm-hmm. Our prior house, we called it the war wall because, I mean, we had all kinds of things in it. And I mean, we were just like all levels of organization where, hey, everybody's well-informed. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's just one piece of us keeping all on the same page. Yeah, so, so incredible. There's a lot of intentionality around those systems and things you're putting into place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of a lot of men need to get more intentional <clears throat> about their relationship, about their communication, about their parenting, or it's it, probably all of it. Because so men, some men are just so focused in on being the greatest dad, or they're so focused in on being the greatest husband, or 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 the greatest business instead of like getting the big vision. Warwall sounds awesome. We kind of have a similar thing. And, um, that again is just another level of communication and understanding of what's going on for everybody to understand and move forward in the same direction. Yeah, yeah it is important. And I mean, we, yeah, I, I can't, that, that, that regular daily communication of what's going on, um, is key. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it is, you know, it's like, it's she's my litmus test on a lot of things. Um, I, I, I'll expand on this a little bit, but I don't hang out. One of the biggest, one of the biggest things I did personally with decision-making um, was I don't hang out in maybe land. Okay. Anything that comes my way, it's either a hell yes, or it's a no. Mm-hmm. So if something comes in my way and it's a maybe, I don't work to make it a hell yes. It's immediately a no. That's what it is. Don't waste my time on it. It's not worth my time. And I invest in it and try and convince myself it's a yes. And guess what? 99% of the time, it was the wrong decision. There's something comes in, it's a hell yes. Then I have to do two things. One, try and find, set what my boundaries are and try and find it to what makes it a maybe or a no. Because if it goes to maybe land, it's gone. And I just sell my wife. That it's a hell yes, because if she's a maybe, it's a no. And mm-hmm. if I can't convince her, if I can't bring things together to show her that this is a yes, and she and if she just is like, oh yeah, whatever, let's just do it, yeah, or or she's not involved in that. Every single one of those decisions I have ever made came back to bite us in the end. Yep, was a wrong decision, where she just was like you know what, I don't want any involvement with it. You just do it. That's, I used to be like, all right, fine. I'm just going to do this and that'll be it. Now it's like, oh, you're a maybe. I'm a hell yes. Your maybe cancels that out. We're a no. Let's move on. I like that a lot. So, you know, and it's made me switch my investing, you know, my investing mentality. Um, You know, we were looking at different things and she was like, okay, well, that takes your time that you don't have. That takes more of your time that you don't have. Like, you know, that takes my time, which I don't have. Like, just, I mean, literally just laying it out as it is. And it was like, okay, so what do we actually want? Like, do we want something, investments that we're going to enjoy? Or do we want investments just to have investments? And that's where we've really switched to where now we're doing what's called, um, we're investing in lifestyle assets, um, which are basically high-end homes and places that people want to visit. Yeah, that's that's what that's easiest way to categorize that that um, awesome. life lifestyle assets and RV parks. That's mm. that's that's where that's where our money's going. And that's if it's not in one of those two fields, don't even bother looking at it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. One thing that I've kind of <laughs> focused in on my wife loves living down here in the south and I want to I want mountains and Mm -hmm. uh cooler weather in the winter maybe snow and maybe a cooler in the summer and and instead of like one of us compromising it's we can live here in the south where it's warm and she loves it but i'm gonna my investments are going to be in those places that i want to go and where she wants to go and it makes complete sense i mean people you know i've had people say no 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 no, you don't want to do an investment where you don't live and i'm like i don't want to (laughs) spend like you don't understand this is by design yeah. There, there's a design to this. Okay. I want to spend some time in, in, in the, in the Montana area. Okay. Then that's going to be probably where my next or first or whatever 
uh, income property is going to be. Yeah. And, and it's going to be hard to convince me otherwise because it, it's it's that de design your life type of thing. And I love that you guys are doing that. I think it's really, really cool. Um, obviously, selfishly, I'm really excited you're doing that because yeah. I do travel. Uh, I created a, a, a mastermind. It's not a fatherhood or a, or it's, it's a business mastermind a year ago. And we travel every quarter. We go somewhere and we stay there for three, four days. And, you know, and those are the types of places we go. We go to really nice places and we have a really great time and we do a ton of business stuff and a ton of like personal stuff. And it's, it's just amazing. And I just would recommend everybody do one of those. Yeah. If you don't have one and you can't find one, do what I did. You just create it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. You got yours. I, I've got a few other buddies that have it, have them where it's just like they go out and they basically do life experiences yep. in awesome places with a group of guys and everybody just pitches in. Yep. And yep. it's like, you know, the person that's putting everything together, hey, they may make a they may make a dollar on it. Who cares? Like they yeah. organized all of this stuff. They brought us all together. Right. Sweet. Exactly. Like, you know, um, yeah, th those are fantastic. Those are fantastic title groups. Yeah. Awesome, Royal. It's been incredible. I think we could probably talk um a lot longer. We could probably talk about your army stint and what that did for your life. Um <laughs> your 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 entrepreneurial you know, and your career path, which I think would relate to a lot of men just because you came from, I mean, you're, you have a degree, but then there's a lot of trade work in there. I mean, it's all tied to trade work, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Investments, jujitsu, we didn't even get into jujitsu, which could probably go down a wormhole really fast, yeah. but thank you so much for your time. Um, looking forward to having another conversation with you in the near future. Just thank you, man. Hey, much appreciated. I'm always available. All right. So you guys, Royal is uh, all of his, his contact stuff bio are going to be in the show notes in the description. Um, make sure you check him out. Just follow him on Facebook probably. Um, and uh, if you're a business owner, just contact one of us about joining a mastermind because we, we know it. And I think that's a big step for your marriage, for your life, for your business. And um, I, I, I try to scream that from the hills. So yeah. thanks again, brother. Everybody else have a wonderful Thank day. Thank you for listening right. to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.